Well, hello, White Sox fans. Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Oh, I feel like that's a loaded question today, man. I mean, you know, I'm happy to uh, be sitting here and uh, able to talk regular season White Sox baseball because uh, that'll be the first time uh, that we've been able to do that in this uh, early part of the 2023 year. But, uh, you know, uh, you and I both attended that lousy home opener yesterday. And, uh, you know, I say lousy. I'm trying to be nice, actually, because, uh, what a. I mean, it was a woof. thrill a minute. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, we're here. Baseball's back. There's a lot of good things happening. There's still some things that need some cleaning up, and you know we'll get into all of that nitty gritty of that stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, you know, as you said, the White Sox home opener was a complete and total train wreck. Um, you know, there's things going around that uh, Michael Kopech was telegraphing his pitches. You know, tipping his I, pitches. I hope so. And you have to hope so, because if he was not, we are in a load of trouble in the five spot. Um, But, uh, you know, I had a Cuban sandwich. I had uh, churros. So um, so life isn't all that bad, really. You know, all things considered. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to open up this show with a question for you. Oh, boy. Uh, I like questions. So today, I don't know if you got the same um, survey from the White Sox. I did not. About your opening day experience. And I know that uh, we've had this conversation. You took the Reggie's bus over. I did. Um, So you were hanging out over there for a little while, and then you took a bus over over to the park. But... How was your experience at the game, you know, game, not, uh, you know, not the main focus of this, but your experience? Right. Yeah. So, you know, we're obviously not talking about the play on field. We're just talking (laughs) about the the state, the old stadium experience. Right. Um, Well. I, my take is probably going to be a little bit different than yours just because, uh, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk about this, but uh, I know you had, you know, you and I ended up getting tickets on separate dates and, and ended up in separate places. We didn't even have a chance to meet up yesterday, obviously opening day with those kind of crowds and, and you know, trying to plan things that way can be a little bit, uh, let's just say hectic, you know, when it's uh, when you got a sellout crowd and it's full house down there and this is nothing new with the white Sox, obviously um my experience wasn't awful when we got to the park we got there probably about 20 25 minutes or so before first pitch and i was in my seat about 12 minutes or so after that believe it or not i had well i should say i had about 12 13 minutes before uh, first pitch. So lines moved actually pretty well for us where we were at. We went in at, uh, what is that, gate three? Uh, Along the right field line there. I believe that's Mm -hmm. gate three. 
yeah, so we, we went in there. Line moved pretty quickly. Um, security wasn't awful. Uh, getting to our seats was not bad. But now I say the reason I say my experience was probably different than yours was because once I did get up to my seat, you know, we sat up in uh, 516. We had a uh, we had a group of about 22 of us. Uh, <laughs> you know, we were all loaded up on that bus and, uh, you know, loaded up on some other libations and things before we got to the on the bus with, uh, you know, Reggie's Rock Joint over there on uh, State Street. But, uh, you know, it, it was a matter of getting uh, 22 people into uh, a group together and, and kind of just getting everybody to agree on a ticket price. You know what I mean? So Reggie's ended up putting us up in the upper deck. So that's where we were. And when I got to my seat in the upper deck, I looked down at the lower levels and I was watching that concourse in the outfield, you know, behind the, uh, the Miller light. Oh, what is that? The Miller light. Uh, it's not the porch anymore, but whatever that is, what used to be goose Island over there. And I, and I, I scanned from there all the way around to underneath the, uh, kid zone, the fundamental zone over there. And I couldn't see an ounce of pavement anywhere in there it looked like ants marching it was so thick with people down there that i thought to myself you know and you and i discussed this before the game i was going to try to find a way down there to come say hello and uh to you and uh colty and uh you know maybe hang out and you know have a little chit chat about uh opening day once i saw that mess there was no it, it there was it wasn't even a thought after that i just going to stay away from that altogether. And I, you know, there's probably three, four, 500 people I would have loved to have, that I know were at the game yesterday that I would love to see just to say hello to. Happy New Year. Have a handshake and a chat. Good to be back at the ballpark. Eh, no, I looked at that and I went, there's no stinking way I'm going to go fight that crowd. So the upper deck uh, was not awful at all. It, it never got super crowded. At least not, you know, far down the lines. There were some spots if you got behind home plate, you know, craft beer areas and, you know, specific uh, delicacies that you could find at some of the stands up there. But uh, for the most part, not awful. Not awful at all. How about you, man? How was your experience? Well, I have a question for you. Um, Did you happen to uh, go and check out that new uh, bar? That new one that they just just built? Yeah, the one all the way down on the left field line there, I believe it is. Uh, I think that there's one that's like, uh, well, there's that one, and I think that there didn't they make another one like kind of closer to home plate, or am I am I out of my mind? Uh, you know what? I, I didn't make my way to either one of them. Mm-hmm, okay. Again, I was kind of uh, I was content to be where I was. It wasn't overly crowded. Uh, the the biggest issue I had was a section next to us. I was I had an end seat. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm right on the aisle, and uh, the the section just to my left, which is where I would have been looking at home plate in the infield, just seemed to have a lot of confusion about who was sitting where. I don't know. There was like a teeny bopper girl's uh, birthday party. There was like 35, you know, 14-year-old girls that just seemed to be so confused. They were standing in the aisle half the time Mm. and they got up and left. And then there was a little bit uh, early twenties, 20 something crowd that kind of filed into that place and did a lot of the same standing 
they got to the point where I felt like I was missing half the game because I couldn't see what was going on in the infield yeah. with all these people standing there. But uh, other than that, I was really content to be where I was because when I could, you know, when the people weren't standing there, I could see everything perfectly. I wasn't overly crowded. And uh, I had no interest in making my way around to that. I will uh, I will find my way around to those uh, new additions to the ballpark at some point. Uh, but we were actually sitting right above the uh, the new uh, Blue Moon. Uh, oh, yeah. What was it? The Blue Moon Balcony, I believe yeah, that's it was called. So yeah. They 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 featured the the high life, uh, whatever high life bar, high life balcony, porch, whatever it was called. That's the one I was thinking uh, of. Yeah. The high life porch. They featured that in the game. Uh, you know, they had some uh, little. Screen time on the scoreboard there, yeah. but I was in the I was in the blue moon. I was just above the blue moon balcony. Yeah, it was cool. Okay, you know, little cool. seating area underneath the uh, the concourse there, and uh, you know you could walk out and you know kind of lean up on the ledge and you know they had like a little, they had basically a ledge to set your food and your beer down on, and you know you could kind of lean over and watch the game from there. It was it was all right. Nothing crazy special about it, but gives you a little more open air feel. Yeah, the Blue Moon so. one was the one that I was thinking of. Um, yeah, so um, me and uh, and Rudels, we showed up at like 1140-ish. Like we pulled up into the lot at 1140. And we just, uh, you know, he's 13, so like I'm not doing, you know, like I'm not hanging out and tailgating out in the, out in the lot at all or anything like that with him around. Um, right. So... You know, we went straight up to the gate and we got up there at like noon. And we were like, I don't know, 10th in line, something like that, 15th in line. And uh, it got to 1230 when they're supposed to open the gates. And the gates still closed. And they ended up opening, I think, like seven minutes late on opening day. Shocker. Yeah. And, you know, like there, the, the line wasn't too particularly bad at that point. And, um, but you know, when I rolled up and I saw the, uh, you know, I, I, you can see through those gates and I saw that the security system that they had in the doorways was still the same system that they had last year. So there's no upgrades. They've had for like 15, 20 years at this point, (laughs) no upgrades to it. And, um, you know, I I was like, this is, this is probably going to end up a train wreck because, you know, when we came into park, you know, we're driving by the bars over on, uh, was at, uh, 30, I guess it's the 30, 34th, you know, and the scores got their, uh, you know, they got their radio, uh, their offsite radio promotion going and everything and, uh, their on location thing. Where were you, where and, were you at? Let's see, 34th and what were you over by? Like, uh, lot B. Was that Wings and Rings uh, on Halstead, or were you in one of the neighborhood bars, like over by Shinnick's? Yeah, it's, it's like one of the ones that was like literally right across the street from uh, one of the lots. And oh, so okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and it, you know, I was like, okay, so you know, it, they they open like seven minutes late, whatever, and it took us like ten minutes to get in. Now, keep in mind, you know, like I said, we were like ten or fifteen people from the head of the line. And it still took us 10 minutes to get in. So I'm just thinking, man, this is probably going to be ugly. So, you know, me and Rudels, we got in relatively quick. We got in and uh, the Giants are out there doing batting practice and whatever. 
Rudel's wanders off and he goes and finds a, a foul ball that had got hit during batting practice. And then Gabe Kapler threw him a ball. Um, oh, which was sweet. Nice. Yeah, it's great. So he's got, you know, he got two baseballs yesterday, so he's stoked. Um, you know, we were in so early and, um, you know, so we walked, we got a Cuban sandwich and we got our churros and all that stuff and all, you know, we got all of our stuff done, you know, super early before anything happened, you know, like we hung around and, you know, everything was fine. Um, but our section, there's me and Rudels in our row and our, I think our rows like eight, eight seats wide, you know? And, um, so there's like three rows in front of us that nobody's sitting in. And I'm like, I know that these seats sold because when I bought them, they were already gone. So I knew that they were, I knew that they were sold. And I was like, there's no way three rows of people didn't show up, you know? And it turns right. out that uh, it was a company outing for some guy's retirement, uh, People's Gas, some guy named John. Happy retirement. Hope you enjoy yourself. Um, hey, and, John. But the thing is, is that they showed up in like the fourth inning. Oh, boy. I already know where this is going. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, like we're, we're good, you know, we're enjoying ourselves, enjoying the game, you know, as much as you can, um, you know, first inning Kopech looks dominant, you know, and then things kind of slowly went downhill from there, but not even talking about the game. We're talking about the fan experience here. Um, earlier in the game, you know, like I went to the, I think I went to the bathroom in like the second or third inning, walked right in, no problems. Now. Fast forward through the game to like the sixth, seventh inning. Now there's lines going 50 yards past the door to get into the men's bathroom. And so I walk over a little bit farther down, other bathroom, same thing, you know, like 40, 50 people deep to get into this bathroom. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, what the heck is going on here? So, you know, like my personal experience wasn't too bad um overall like i didn't have a have like really any problems until the end of the game where even with the fact that half of the park had left because jose ruiz just completely you know luis robert hits a home run gets him back within four runs and then ruiz ruiz's and gives up yeah, five five runs all over yeah um so half the park left but, you know, when we go to leave, it was nice, easy walk all the way around. We go to uh, the, um, you know, the big merch store. I can't, I'm blanking on what it's called. Oh, uh, the Sports Depot or whatever? Yes, the Chicago Sports D- Depot. Yeah, so we go there. Yeah. and uh, you know, Gate 5. Yeah, exactly. Or hop the depot in. Yeah. <laughs> so we're walking around in there, and it's packed inside there you know there's hundreds of people throughout there which is you know whatever great good for them um but uh we go to you know i look to possibly buy something and the line's like 60 people long i was like i'm absolutely not waiting for that i will buy it for you i'll buy a hat for you online (laughs) so right you know we left and we walked out and i had a nice super easy drive out and everything was great until you know we got on to 94 standard thing you know where you sit in traffic for a little bit but my 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 thing was was fine i go and look online 
later on at night because you know how terrible cell service is at that park uh oh, yeah. how bad the internet is there um i see people posting saying that it, they got into line at 135 and they didn't end up getting into their seats until the fourth inning which has to be what happened to the people in front of me because you know i don't that, see, I don't understand that. I we got in line probably about that time, uh, you and know, we were in in a matter of minutes. It moved rather quickly. I think. I think the issue is with all of the people that were tailgating that they stopped tailgating, uh, and then they all headed to the lines like pretty much at exactly the same time, thinking that you know most of the park had made it in already, so it should be fine. They get there. People are saying that they didn't make it to their seats until. The fourth inning. Now. Yeah, that gate. What is that? Gate two, I yeah. think. Yeah, it was gate two uh, and gate three were the ones that they said that were the worst. Yeah, gate two usually is pretty bad because, you know, more often than not, when I go down for opening day, we do the tailgating thing. You know, uh, I got to be honest with you, doing the Reggie Rock bus was uh, it, it was a fantastic idea. It takes a lot of the guesswork out for you. Uh, you don't have to worry about parking. You don't have to fight with the, the crowds driving in and out of there. Uh, that part was fantastic. We, we got ourselves a buffet before and after the game. But, uh, yeah, I've done that tailgating thing many, many times. And that probably makes the most sense what you're saying here because gate two is right where all those tailgaters are heading in. It's the very first gate that they find when you're coming out of those tailgate lots on the uh, the south side of the ball club on the ballpark, which is there's probably more tailgaters over there than, and at least as far as I could tell, I've been all over those and I all over those lots. And I got to say those, you know, lots B E and F over there seem to have more tailgating than any of the other lots. And, you know, you got to think those, those lots open up all the way down to 39th street from there. So there's more people in that general direction. And I think they just hit that first, those first two gates, two and three over there, and that's probably exactly what happened. You get there, and it's just a massive uh, influx of people that they cannot keep up with. That's entirely possible. Um, but, you know, we had talked about this before, and I had mentioned it um, when talking about gift giveaway days. I didn't even – Yes. I did, I did not say opening day, but I should have said opening day. Um, I knew – if something didn't change with the security, you know, with the uh, with their scanning systems and the way they did things over there, that on big days like this, with the new pitch clock rule, people weren't going to be getting in until. And I think, I, I mean, I'd have to go back and and listen, but in jest, I said people weren't going to get to their seats until like the fourth inning, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened, and. Um, I think, you know, I don't want to be the, you know, like the, the, the people that piss off the White Sox, but something needs to be done possibly by Major League Baseball to fix this issue, because this is a huge problem. You've got well, people I that are spending speed up the game by, you know, 25, 30, 35 minutes with this new pitch clock. And all the new rules, and you can't you can't get in until the third, fourth, fifth inning. That's a problem. You're spending ninety dollars on tickets, 
you show up 30 to 35 minutes before first pitch and you don't get to your seat f- until the fourth inning. Are you kidding me? Like this, yeah. this needs to be like a white Sox, like all white Sox fans need to band together and force them to fix this because it is completely, it is obvious that they don't care because this was happening last year, was happening the year before that. When you do gift giveaway days and people aren't getting to their seats until like halfway through the second inning before the pitch clock. Yeah, which now will be the fourth inning. Yeah, exactly. Now that you've got this pitch clock and the and the game is moving along so quickly, people are going to miss half the game just trying to get into the park because of a gift giveaway. Not to mention yeah. when we went through our gate. I know it was just a magnetic schedule, but we didn't get one. And we were like the 10th people in line. They just didn't have them at our gate. So they didn't have them. No, they weren't. They, I, got mine. I had no issue. But, you know, then again, whoever was bringing the boxes full of uh, goodies is probably, you know, a little bit behind. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a shame. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, is. The White Sox in general seem to be stepping all over their junk in so many ways when it comes to the fan experience. You know, we 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 brought up tailgating and all these tailgaters. You know, last year they took away, you know, the giant umbrellas and the, you know the the pop-up canopies and whatnot. So now you got fans out there and the reason being was that uh you know it just takes up too much space. Ah yes. yes. Now this year, you could still tailgate, you, but you know you've got to keep your tailgate the width of your car. So no tables, no giant grills. You know you want to have a small grill out there, and you want to throw it in the back of your truck tailgate or on the ground or whatever. Fine, but if you want to use anything with like some kind of charcoal and and, and bigger grills, you have to pay the hundred dollars to get one of the tailgate pads that are fenced in over there. Uh, their excuse is because they can't get emergency vehicles through there. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, that's fine and dandy, but again, you're finding ways to kill the fan experience, you know, and if that's the case, we're, we're, we're going to start looking up at, you know, the, the, the team on the North side that has next to no tailgating experience whatsoever, but they've got a neighborhood full of bars and entertainment, which, you know, the Sox have some of that, but it is not like next door adjacent to the ballpark. Uh, You know, you're kind of taking away the things that make the U.S. comiscular rate field uh, unique in Chicago. It's it's always been a slightly different fan experience from, you know, a lot of the other places that you can go see a sporting event. And they're kind of just taking all that uniqueness away from it. And it, it... you know, we talk about that. We talk about the the uh, the new advanced ticket prices, or the you know the new uh, tiered tiered. There you go. The, yeah. the new tiered ticket pricing, where the first three rows pay you know ten bucks more than the next five or six rows, and certain sections you know are paying more. And it, it really, I mean, you're you're doing everything you can to not, to make your fans unhappy. And their whole tagline this year, their whole motto is we want to earn your trust back and you're doing everything you can possibly can to make 
the experience that much worse. Yeah. It's not just about the team on the field. Yep. If you want folks to come out and enjoy the product you put out there, well, you better put a good product out there. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to piss off your entire fan base. And it's like they they routinely do whatever they can to try and nickel and dime into, you know, into a way of pissing everybody off. This is, I mean, this is one thing that I was thinking about is that you have with this new pitch clock, you have less time to sell concessions, right? But on the other hand, you're not making as much, but on the other hand, your employees are in and out of that building super quick. Yeah. So, you know, it's like kind of a trade-off, I guess, but it's not a good trade-off for the team. So you'd think that they'd want to get people in. And for them to still not figure out a way to get everybody into the park in a timely manner, this needs to be like a MLB. Like, they have to answer to somebody. If they're not going to answer to the fans who every time there's a gift giveaway or opening day or something like this where there's quote-unquote, you know, according to one of the security people, too many people that they don't have enough staff to accommodate all these people coming into, on opening day, nonetheless, when you know that there's going to be... It's a sellout crowd. It's going to be at least almost a sellout crowd. You know that's going to happen, and to not have the staff to do that, it is something that needs to be handled on a league level where... the fans have to, you know, for lack of a better term, they need to cry out to MLB and say, hey, listen, you know, we're trying to enjoy your product, but we can't because this idiot that owns the franchise won't do what is necessary to get the fans into the building in an acceptable time. I mean, even in the first inning, you know, like if you couldn't get in before first pitch, okay, like I understand that, but the fourth inning, are you kidding me? Yeah, it, that's insane. It's 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 it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's ludicrous, awful. and the price of the ticket is going to continue to go up. They never go down, unless of course you know it's September, and uh, you know you've got eight hundred people showing up to the game. You you might be able to find dollar tickets because they're just trying to recoup whatever money they can get from you at that point. You know, team these last few years, I shouldn't say just the last few years, the last decade. You know, you could go to a game in late August all the way into September and get a ticket for like a dollar and uh, you could sit just about anywhere you wanted because nobody was there. You know what I mean? And uh, that really doesn't do you any good, but I I was for the most part, if we're talking about opening day in the beginning of the season and there's still hope for this team, uh, you know, ticket prices are going up, not down yet. The fan experience kind of taking a hit. Yep. Every year there's something. And you know, the White Sox will come out and they'll roll out new food every year. Which for the most part, gotta say, ballpark food there is pretty stinking good. Yeah. I've been to a few stadiums. I, I haven't found one yet that competes with what the White Sox put out in food. But those are easy fixes. Those are not, you know, they don't make any food at the ballpark that isn't a quick wham bam, throw it together, here you go, and it Tastes delicious. Yep. They're also charging you an arm and leg for it. So they're making money hand over fist on every one of those Cuban sandwiches they sell or any one of those, you know, Comiskey burgers or 
whatever it is you're getting your hands on, uh, the new, you know, steak chimichurri sandwich, which, you know, I was kind of hoping I could find and didn't really get a chance to see because I'm a big steak guy. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, look at me. Fatty over here likes his red meat. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I digress. I'm just saying those are all things that I feel like improves of the team experience and Jerry's wallet experience more than it does the Sox fan experience. Because if I can't get in there to eat any of that delectable food until the fourth inning, well, that steak chimichurri sandwich isn't going to make me smile enough. It's not going to take away the fact that I'm pissed off because I, I missed half the game. Well, oh, um, and, 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 and I got there two hours early and I still didn't get my giveaway. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that if you value your time, and you don't want to get angry, don't go to the windbreaker giveaway because <laughs> you're, you're not going to get in until the sixth inning. It's going to be that bad. And the thing is, is that somebody needs to be able to, and whether it takes like a groundswell of the entire White Sox fan base or whatever, somebody needs to get in the ear of Rob, Rob Manfred and say, hey, look, look, this is unacceptable. You know, we're paying for tickets and we don't get to see the game because they will not take care of this. Um, yeah, I say yeah. let's let's move along from this. Let's let's get out. I, I you know, like DJ- I just want to add one thing to this real quick. Uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, uh, the wife and I, we're looking at uh, some other games to go to. We are not season ticket holders. Uh, you know, I uh, I have a weird schedule in the summertime. I've, I do my racing. You know, uh, there's the whole work thing. And then, of course, we like to camp. We've got a, you know, 30-foot travel trailer that we like to spend some time in. So I don't purchase season ticket packages. So we're always looking for the next game that we can, you know, go and enjoy. And it turns out that, you know, we decided to do the uh, the Sox crawl this year, uh, which is uh, April 29th. And without even looking if it was a giveaway day, yesterday we're sitting in the stands and they do the White Sox hockey jersey giveaway promo on the scoreboard and i looked at the wife and i said is that the day we're doing the sauce crawl and she's like ah no chance no chance we're gonna get here early on a day they're giving away hockey jerseys and sure as you could be it turns out that yeah we're gonna be there early so i mean consider it lucky that if you will yeah that but i almost feel like that's about the only way i was gonna get that hockey jersey this year the hockey sweater Last year, I missed out on, and I had tickets for that game and didn't even go. Yep. Yeah. I mean, like, like rain. Yeah. And then they didn't cancel it. They actually played and got everybody got their stuff. And I was not happy about that, but whatever. I digress. <laughs> yeah. So, anywho, uh, let's move on to some actual baseball. I'm going to go ahead and put a time marker on the description of this. So, if somebody doesn't want to listen to us complain about, uh, fan experience they can go ahead and jump on to this part um hey. white Sox open the season in houston dylan cease game one phenomenal comes out calls all of his own pitches on his uh pitch track and uh looks like dylan cease from last year everybody that was worried about his velocity from spring training or worried about his command or whatever uh guess what not so much of a problem. So, um, no, I mean, if you get that guy every game, you can call, you can go ahead and just sign him. You can call him size cease right now. Cause yeah. that was 
spectacular. Yep. Uh, add on to that that uh, Yoan Moncada came out of the gate pretty strong. And, um, you know, <laughs> we still uh, managed to uh, pretty much uh, keep it right around the same amount of runs scored except for uh, in game four where they scored six runs. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that was a, a long-running joke all of last year was the uh, the three runs or bust offense that was a uh, a continual thing. And, um, you know, lo and behold, you know, yesterday, Luis Robert had to hit a home run in the, you know, in the eighth inning to do it. But, yeah, to uh, get us a three. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, again, with this uh, three-run offense thing. And one of the crazy things was that um, – Oh, hold on a sec. Oh, we got some nasty thunder over in this piece. I just heard a little myself. Uh, yeah, so Cease ends up uh, not factoring in the decision. Um, trying to think. I think it was uh, it was Cheekman, was it not? Uh, Jake Cheekman, who allowed the run to score uh, that was charged to Cease, I believe, if I remember correctly. Uh, no, it was bummer. Okay. My bad. Um, but, uh, you no, know, of course, bummer, I think, uh, bummer, bummer gave up the run to tie it. I believe is what it was. No, not in the first game. Not in the first, uh, no, you're right. Yeah. You're that right. was, uh, Reynaldo gave up a run in the, uh, in the ninth, um, that, I'm uh, think, that no, Friday um, night was, uh, the, the Cheekman debacle. <laughs> yes. That's obviously what I was thinking as well. Uh, Cheekman did not pitch in, uh, game one. It was Graveman. Um, one of the other, one of the cheek bros. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but you know, uh, I can't complain about, uh, about winning three to two against the Astros. I mean, to be able to hold that offense to two runs, um, it's phenomenal, you know? Um, absolutely. Uh, one thing that uh, that has not gone well so far, and it, this is something that I've been kind of perusing across the entirety of Major League Baseball. Um, starting pitchers are not going long into the game. No, I noticed that too. Yeah, it's like the majority of the pitchers are going five innings. Yeah, there's only been a handful of quality starts so far. Yeah, in the early goings here. Yeah, that's uh, that is obviously something to uh, to keep an eye on. Um, Giolito, his first inning, I want to say he had like 20, 27 pitches in the first inning or something like that. So he immediately put himself into a shortened uh, into a shortened role that day. Just you know, due to the fact that you know, what are you going to do when you're you know, you're you're already thirty pitches in, and you're heading into the second inning. You know, right. um, he did end up, uh, you know, calming down quite a bit, um, which was good. But uh, you know the, you know the 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 men left on base thing. It was it was another issue last year, and this is one of those things that you know, obviously, you, you don't want to overreact to something because we're you know 
five games into the season, you know, so you don't want right. to overreact about something. But a couple of the issues last year was the bullpen would give up leads. And another one is, is that they would never get that clutch hit. And that's something that seems to have uh, already plagued them, you know, early on this season is that, you know, they were 0 for 10 with the bases loaded, you know. Ooh, got some nasty, nasty thunder going on over here. Um, yeah, yeah, let's just uh, hope we can continue doing what we're doing here tonight. Yeah. I, well, I mean, a little weather on my end, too. I mean, I got a Maybe battery on my computer, but oof, we'll see. I know we're probably about 20 miles apart from each other here where, yeah. we're, uh, where we're sitting, but uh, yeah, I'm hearing some rumbling out there myself. Yep. But anywho, I'm glad you're bringing all these things up because, you know, again, I don't want to sound like the angry Sox fan that I did last year. I don't want to I don't want to pull the whole it's early thing because, you know, it was pretty quick out of the gate last year where we were like, yeah, you can say it's early, but we're seeing the same stuff we saw the second half of the season before. And we're seeing a lot of that same stuff now. The difference between now and this time last year when I felt like that is that we do have a new staff. I We are seeing some better things out of this team already. Uh, they are piling up a bunch of hits, and they're not just singles. There have been, there's been a, a nice spate of extra base hits, which are, you know, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, it's just the timeliness of them hasn't come around yet. And the one thing I'm noticing from that is I feel like, I think these guys might be just pressing a little bit when guys are on base or even with runners in scoring position, just because I think they're eager to get the taste of last year out of their mouth. Uh, it, it just seems obvious and evident because pitch selection and plate approach has generally been better this season so far and i know it's really early but you know it looks better in most instances but when you get a guy on base it's like it goes out the window those guys are flailing away they're just dying to get a knock to bring a guy in yeah and i think that's something you know oh i said it i commented probably the same comment on about seven or eight different uh twitter threads uh you know on sunday afternoon and that comment was basically, you know, old habits die hard. I think it's probably something, I, well, at least I'm hoping it's something that is going to correct itself as time goes on this season. Uh, and we did see a little bit of it Sunday afternoon uh, later in the game where guys seem to kind of settle in with guys on base. And, you know, the Sox did put a bunch of, you know, runs on the board. Uh, we saw a little bit of it later in the game yesterday, but there was still a lot of flailing and some bad stuff during yeah. yesterday's game. Uh, but again, generally speaking, there are some changes that I do notice uh, with this team as opposed to last year. And like I said, extra base hits are kind of coming along a little bit earlier than at least I feel like they are anyway than they did last year. Uh, and, you know, just general plate approach. Has been better. I won't say it's great yet, I'll, but it has been it's better. A lot better. It's a lot better. It has been, yeah, for sure. Um, What's up, Rudels? Oh, John Rudels. What's up there? Yeah, Cheekman. That's right. Um, so this this is a th- these are some fun stats here. 
MLB team left on base per game. White oh Sox boy. ranks for left on base. What do you think? Dead last? Out of, out of Second 30. Second last? 29th. There you 20. go. 20.4 men left on base. I was going to say, maybe, maybe the, the Phillies might be worse. Toronto. Yeah, who's, who's last? Toronto Blue Jays. Oh, Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah, with 21. Okay. Um, Philly, oh. Philly's right smack dab in the middle. Now here's uh, oh, here's, so they're just not getting out based on yes, yeah, it's pretty much bad. yeah, they, yeah, they're not hitting as much. <laughs> um, now here's here's the one that uh, that's also very bad. Team runners left in scoring position per game. Your Ooh. guess as to where they are in the league? That one I'll say dead last. Dead last. We've had a five. We've had a lot of guys four. running five point four yeah. per game. Uh, a lot of runners in scoring position just left to hang. Yeah, last year they were at three point two five uh, throughout the season, which was you know we've a kind, seen it a couple of times already, a couple of times already where we've seen bases juiced with nobody out. Yes, in the Houston series, uh, they were zero for ten with the bases loaded, and in the I think it was in the two third, of those ten were with no outs. I think in the third game of the series they were. 0 for 6 with the bases loaded. Oh, was, yeah. 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 Ugly. Uh, yeah. Now, that's something, obviously, I expect to see change. And uh, I think that, you know, that I agree with you on the uh, on the pushing thing. Yes, they did win today. They won today by not playing. Um, well, they didn't lose. So, yeah. They did not lose. Go. So, that's a win in my book. Um, right. But I think that uh, you know I agree with you that they're they're pushing a little bit, and I think that uh, Pedro will help loosen that place up a little bit. Um, oh, so I think maybe Rudolph is talking about Philly. Did Philly win today? Oh, they finally get they off might, the schneid. They might be talking. He might be talking about Philly. That is entirely possible. I didn't even think about that, but uh, yes, that's entirely possible. Um, <clears throat> uh, so I feel like. Uh, and I and I know that there was there were comments made yesterday that the team that played yesterday against the Giants was looked like a completely different team from the team that played in Houston, and I will agree with that. Um, I will say though that it you know when you are in a game like that where you're immediately behind the eight ball after the after the first inning and it just keeps on piling up and your pitcher gives up four solo shots in one inning um, that I don't expect to see a whole lot of, uh, you know, vibrance coming from the team when there is nah. such a situation. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like up until the ninth inning, you know, it was only seven to three. So there was still a possibility of, you know, if they, if they push forward, there was a possibility of coming back when it's only seven to three, uh, but it, when it's twelve to three after uh, Jose Ruiz comes in and gives up uh, a grand slam and then a solo shot, um, not a whole lot uh, is going to help with that. Uh, let's yeah, see. Rudel says, uh... "Are we going to be the Bulls where we only play good against good teams?" I mean, I hope not. I, I don't. You know what? I, I will say with Pedro Grifol, I do not see that being. Um, I don't see that being a thing. And I don't think, you know, with the amount of talent that's on the White Sox, I don't see that being a thing. Yeah, playing down to uh, to the teams that are not as good as them on paper, uh, I don't think will be an issue. 
at least I hope it won't be an issue. Uh, I mean, we really don't know. It's really early in, in Pedro Cafal's managerial career. But, you know, as we said earlier in the show, some changes are pretty evident to this point. Like, you know, it's just, I don't want to say it's night and day, but there are, there's a definite feeling around this team that is different than when TLR was at the helm. And uh, I'll kind of leave it at that. You just hope that that difference that you feel right now, the energy that's kind of around this team, the the little bit of things that they are doing better and doing right that they weren't doing before. Hey, hey, Grimtall. Actually, resub Grimtall. Appreciate it. Look at that. Twenty months. Holy crap, oh, man! This buds for Jose Ruiz. Oh boy! <laughs> Come on, now. yeah. But you know, it's it's tough to let's just say this we might as well just call this the way too early uh reactions to the season episode it is because it is definitely way too early to react to any of this stuff for the most part you know again we're we're just pointing out the things that we see and the changes that you know haven't been made yet which we kind of hope will but uh i gotta be honest with you yesterday sitting what was that uh what it, the inning where Vaughn hit a 3-0 pitch oh. and De Sclafani yeah, seemed uh he had some words for Vaughn and he was upset. And you know, good for Vaughn for just kind of trotting it off the field, like, yeah. hey, whatever. You know, and then De Sclafani had to have some words with the umpires and you know, everything. And we, you know, as we're sitting in the, the stands, we don't really know what's going on up there. We just see some interaction. We're trying to figure it out. My buddy's sitting in the row behind me a little bit later. He's, you know, he's, you're talking about the internet service. Somehow he was getting decent internet service. His phone started pinging and it was an update from uh, 670 to score that basically said, you know, what we've all heard at this point, uh, you know, him being upset that he actually took a swing on a 3 0 pitch while being down two runs. I, you know, I thought to myself, what on earth are Unwritten you? Rules. That's but that isn't that is not that is not an unwritten heard of. No. 30 3-0 with a position player pitching when you're up eight runs, fine. Whatever. If you want to call that an unwritten rule, I, I can accept that. But 3-0 early in the game, and the opposing team, the batting team is down two runs. Oh no. I don't know how many broadcasts you've watched where somebody says, "Hey, you know, you gotta, you, you gotta think Mike Trout has the green light here." Well, so does Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, I'm sorry. And uh, but like, uh, you know, he, my buddy tells me, you know, screw that Desclafani guy. Yeah, I hope he? the Sox put up a half a dozen on him next inning. Whoopsie. Yeah, like because it was the following inning after he said that that uh, you know Kopech gave up four dangers. Yeah, Desclafani's mad. Ooh. <laughs> Like, yeah, right. Get over yourself, dude. Get out of here. Um, SP five for the uh, for the Giants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Gabe Kapler hopefully got in his ear. I, well, I'm sure that that's probably why he was so fired up. Gabe Kapler was probably like, "Yeah, that's right. That's right. You don't swing three zero on us." Um, Gabe Kapler, that guy is that guy is the king of the red ass manager. At least I, <laughs> as far as like the guys that are in the game right now, maybe Buck Showalter might be a little bit more on that tip than him. But I mean, 
Uh, yeah, well, Buck's been around a long time, so I mean, you, you kind of got to cap to him. He's got, he's earned the right to be that right ass manager. Yeah, Gabe Kapler, he was playing a few years ago. You know he's I mean? he's <laughs> still butthurt over Dwayne Wise. Entirely possible. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, still, you know, as as we mentioned, you know, we we still have Jose Ruiz. We still have uh, Jake Cheekman um, and Kendall Graveman has not looked stellar so far. Ronaldo's his been, first appearance was kind of, uh, yeah. his second appearance wasn't awful. No, no, he, yeah, looked, yeah. Okay. I, he just hasn't looked great. Um, right. Reynaldo, uh, he's walked a couple of guys and he's throwing, you know, 102 miles an hour. So, uh, you know, he's probably throwing too hard and, Overthrowing I was a say, bit. The command is is not awesome. It's been a little shaky, but I think you know that's something that Raylo can clean up pretty quickly. I, if you know, I'm just making assumptions here, mm-hmm. but I think I think he'll be okay. Yeah, and uh, Gregory Santos, uh, you know, put him, uh, put him into that same category where it's a guy that throws a hundred miles an hour that's overthrowing the ball because. Um, you know, he ended up uh, costing the team, you know, some base runners and uh, and a run because he overthrew a slider that broke like halfway over to the over to the dugout for crying out loud. I mean, that thing had some spin on it though, man. It hit the dirt and took a ninety degree turn. Yeah, I'm sure the thing. You know, I heard uh, thirty five hundred RPMs on. <laughs> Stony and Jason were talking about how uh, Yasmani overcorrected by jumping out of the, uh, you know. The catcher's box. To, well, he didn't uh, try to stop that either. Ball. That that was part of his problem is that he kept his kept his glove open and tried to shift over instead of trying to backhand it. And yeah, like but I the, mean that thing really it took off. I mean, you, yeah. you, that was going to be a tough stop no matter what. <laughs> you know? Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. Gabe Kapler's Gabe Kapler's young, bro. Um, but uh, yeah. You know, I for, for the most part, you know the the you know bummers bummers looked actually halfway decent despite the fact that he only had like one point two innings in spring training. Um, and he's been the, the brightest spot in the bullpen so far for he's, sure. He's Hands been down. good, yeah. And you know another uh, positive from our you know something that you can say about our fan experience uh, is the message before the game from. Uh, Liam Hendricks on the video board saying that he's taking his last treatment and that he's hoping to be back soon. Um, You know, it pretty much jives with what uh, Lance Lynn said on. uh, Yeah. Late May, early June possible. return. So that's, that's really awesome because I'll tell you what, I think that a lot of these issues with the bullpen kind of fix themselves with uh, the roles. If, Liam Hendricks is back. I think that part of the issue here is that the the uncertainty of roles and uh right. you know Griffall having to, you know, A, he's got to figure out what is what is guys can and what they can't do. And I understand that, you know, we've been watching Jose Ruiz for years now yeah, and we want him launched into the sun, but Pedro Griffall hey, hasn't seen If him you're going to use him, you don't put him in in high level situations. That's number 1. If he's got to be part of the roster right now because you're a little shorthanded waiting for Garrett Crochet and Liam Hendricks to come back, fine. You know, then he has to be a part of the he has to be a part of that bullpen. But 
using him in high leverage situations, which his first appearance was. I mean, yeah, okay, you know, you get it, you throw him out there with you know one out or nobody out, whatever it was, bases juiced, and you know, yeah, that sucks. That's a tough situation, but it's also a game that's within hand. Sox have a one run lead or are tied, and you just don't put Jose Ruiz in that situation. We've seen it time and time again. This is a guy that needs to come in and start with a clean inning. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. But I mean, like the thing, yeah, the guy, you know, I put up on our on our Twitter account, you know, as soon as I saw Ruiz come into the game, I posted his uh low, mid, and high leverage splits. And it's you know, you look at the high leverage split splits and they're awful. You know, he's got like a <laughs> seven and a half it ERA just, and like a five hundred average or something like that with like a twelve hundred OPS. It's just not, you just not good. don't do it. It's terrible. And if we can find that, somebody in the White Sox organization can find it too. So there's another question that uh, arises early on in the season: Is uh, has our analytics department really come along? I don't know. I, I you don't know, know if maybe that's just Pedro, uh, you know, trying to figure things out early on in his managerial career. I, you know, I think that's possible. I, yeah, I think it, I think it's it's like a thing. You know, uh, one of the things that uh, that TLR said you know, right when he came in is that he's learning his players and I'm, I'm willing to accept that explanation here that he's, you know, learning his guys. Not that, you know, when he was in Kansas city that he didn't see Jose Ruiz enough to know that he's bad, but, um, you know, he goes to the WBC and everybody's like, Oh, did you see, did you see him during the WBC? Well, I mean, it turns out that Jose Ruiz is still Jose Ruiz. And that not much has changed. Yeah, he's got a different pitch, but you still get the same results. Um, yeah, not to mention the fact that nobody actually talks about who he faced. Well, the yeah, there's WBC. that. Obviously, there's that as well. Is that you know people were talking about the two and two split with the Astros as the White Sox won that series. Oh, hydrate. Oh my gosh, I don't. I literally have nothing here. I got to run and go grab something. I'll be right back. I got you covered. So. I'm going to go ahead and do that. BRB. Well, we'll see what he comes back with. He might just come back with a glass of water. Uh, no one, Ian, he'll probably come back with some kind of uh, gamer-targeted energy drink. Let's see. Anybody want to play some bets? What do you think, Grimtall? Grimtall's in there. Oh, and a hat's off, too. Well, you guys are just all over this right now, aren't you? I don't know. I can't remember if I broke this one out on stream yet, but I have a Winston-Salem dash. Marvel Defenders of the Diamonds collection here. So I'm going to go ahead and just bust that one out. What you got? What you got? We were playing some bets on uh, what you might have to drink here. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm calling. I, I'm with you on that one, Grim. Thousand channel points on Gamer Juice. I'm not going to take that bet, man. I can't because right? I'm. that's my bet. All right. We got the hats off. Oh, very nice. Thousand points on Gamer Juice? Yeah, we were taking bets on what you were going to bring to the table to hydrate. I don't even know what gamer juice. Oh, I see. He's okay. Yeah, it's Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> so technically, Diet it's Dr. not really uh, hydrating, I suppose, but uh, it'll have to do. Um, yeah. Well, that's, you know what, Rudels? That's not fair. You you don't get to bet on this because you know what's in the fridge, man. Oh, well, yeah. He, he saw me pouring it. So <laughs> <laughs> see, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, old gamer juice. Uh, my guess. I already had my. My guess juice. was you were gonna. 
Yeah, I thought you were going to come back with some kind of uh, gamer-related, gamer-targeted nah. uh, energy drink. Not, no, not, not, not at, uh, not at ten o'clock at, at night. night. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I finished mine up at the beginning of the stream. So there um, you go. He'd be like, yeah, Grimtall <laughs> says he was pitching against Double A guys from Australia. That's you know, exactly that's, that's my like, point. That's a few of them. Like most of the guys are like. You know, plumbers and electricians. Not that they're not good at baseball, and I don't want to disrespect them and say that they can't play, but the level of competition between Mike Trout and, you know, a Czech Republic electrician, you know, we're talking about uh, different levels of competition here. And, you know, I, yeah, his, he, you know, his curveball looks pretty good. His changeup looks pretty decent. But the thing is, is that when he gets in the, the major league games, if you can't throw him for strikes, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, That's or, the big thing. or if you can't fool somebody into thinking that, that it's going to be a strike. So they swing at it. It's not going to matter. And well, and that's been the thing throughout Jose Ruiz's career is he's got really good stuff. Yeah. Well, he throws, he just he throws well. He, he does. He throws well. He's got some stuff that, that moves. Uh, he just doesn't place it very well. Can't throw it for strikes. There's just zero command of it. You know, when you want to throw that slider down and away and he's throwing it down and in the dirt, like you say, with, you know, 9,000 RPMs on it. Well, you're going to have some problems. Uh, you know, if he could just figure out that command, he might be really filthy. He might be absolutely. Oh, what do we got there? Is that Southpaw? No, that's the uh, that's a Charlotte traffic cone. I, I couldn't. Oh, yeah. See, well, my my screen is so small right now, I couldn't see it. There you go. Had to match the hat, huh? Yep. There you go. All right. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was part. The, that was partially my. You know, we we talked about this off stream. Is that that was my feeling on the fact that. I well, how about that? I feel that they should have kept Nick Avila specifically at now, like I don't care about forty man status. Don't care that they gave Ruiz a million dollars. I don't care about any of that. My sole thinking on this is that I've watched Avila pitch. I watched and went back and watched a bunch of his appearances in uh, <clears throat> last year in the minors, and the guy is a composed pitcher. He's got good stuff, and he's got a weird motion and delivery, but the guy is a pitcher. He's not just a thrower, and that's what Ruiz is. He's just a thrower. You know, yes, right. he has good stuff. Yes, he has some movement on stuff, but like you said, is if, you know, it doesn't matter if you don't throw strikes, you know? Right. No, you're absolutely right. Now, let me answer this. Ruiz so, is a catcher. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, if you had to, let's just say right now, if if you had to, if if you got your wish to launch Jose Ruiz, and you, I, I know, I knew that was going to put a smile on your face. But if you had your I mean, that's been on the wish list since like two thousand four. Cheekman. 21. Uh, yeah, you know, this one is, or the other. Yeah, the from 108, uh, the 108 poll that they put out earlier today. Um, well, who would you who would you bring up? I mean, they've only got a handful of guys on the 40-man roster that can pitch out of the pen. 
I mean, I, do you see, you don't see Jonathan Stever being ready to come up to the to the majors at this point. He just threw thirty two pitches tonight in Triple A. That's right. that's what they let him pitch two innings and then they pulled him. Right. So yeah, he's you not know, coming. Uh, up. Who who else do we have down there on the forty man? We got, got uh, Lane Ramsey. Uh, well, on the forty man. On the forty man. Tanner I mean, Banks. unless you want to start making moves, Tanner Banks. But Tanner Banks is a starter. There's, you're probably going to want to leave him yeah. in a position. No, he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's he coming for a long middle relief. And he's he's left handed, so I mean that would replace Cheekman. Um, right, which, that's true. Which I would be okay with. Um, I think there's uh, AJ Alexi. Yeah, but you want him to start. He's not ready. Yeah, you want him, you want to, him to start. You want him to. Ha- you want him to start. Uh, oh, oh, also, I think maybe the next guy is probably what Nick Padilla, Nicholas Padilla. And again, do you really want to see him? No, he's not there. No, but then again, you know, like, you know, we're talking about forty man guys. Doesn't I, necessarily I, have like to be I've a said, man guy, right? I don't care about Jose Ruiz, so I don't yeah, care so who's on the forty man. Um, Get right, rid of him. Um, put somebody else gone. on the forty man because he'll be gone. You know, that's okay. why. That's right. what I thought about. You know, as far as as far as uh, keeping Nick Avila because. I know what Ruiz is. We've watched him. Oh, what a black He's terrible in high leverage, high leverage situations. Now, yes, like I said earlier, that you know, if you have Liam Hendricks back, a lot of these problems fix themselves because you don't have guys taking yeah, guys on guessing roles. Who their roles are. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You don't have to worry about that. But the problem is, it doesn't matter about that hypothetical situation because he's not back. He's not here. And he's right. not going to be right. for probably another two months. Right. So you have to make do until then. If they waived him, he'd get picked up. Ruiz, great. Okay, fine by me. Good good for them. I hope they do. <laughs> I, my my opinion on this whole thing is, is that if you've got a guy in Charlotte that you want to get reps, we already know what Jose Ruiz is. He's been here. Will he give you low leverage quality innings? Sure, he'll give you some decent Maybe. ones. But the thing is, is that if you're already down, you know, seven to one, and that's when he's getting his good work in, which is what he's shown through his entire career, is that if they're getting their brains beat in, he can take innings. Awesome. Good for you. There's lots of guys that can do that. What do I yeah, care if we lose time. what do I care if we lose thirteen to two or whether we lose eight to two? I I don't. Right. I'd rather, right. you know, just let him go. And then bring and one of these eat, other guys up and innings, see if they yeah. can do it. He's just going to eat. That's all he's doing. He's eating innings at this point. Uh, and I agree with you. You're right. I, you know, I was thinking about it from a stance of who's on the 40, man. But you're right. If you just launch him, you give him a quick DFA, you outright release, send him on his way. Yeah, you can move anybody you want on the 40, man, in his spot. Yeah. Yeah. And they were, so, like, I, I think uh, Jose Ruiz was... Uh, Apparently he was trying to uh, get the uh, emergency backup catcher, you know, th- you know, four string catcher position because he had played catcher, but they're giving it to Romy Gonzalez instead. He's got uh, he's got some catcher's gear now, apparently. So I found that kind of interesting. Yeah, um, Romy's the new Leary, but can yeah. actually do some things. He can play a few positions. Yeah, and he can actually get a hit, you know. Yeah. And he has only got a couple of at bats, but he's already got a hit, which is interesting. Um. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, as as expected, um, you didn't get um the uh the the Mike Clevenger experience the other day. 
Um, had a no hitter going into the third. Gave up a hit. I mean, he only ended up giving up like uh, what two two hits, and I think one of them ended up scoring, but it was not on his watch. Uh, right. it was after he was out of the game. Um, right. But overall, I mean, even again, you know, like I said, from what we've seen across all of MLB, is that starting pitchers haven't been going longer than like five or six. Like that's pretty right. much the max that they're going. So the fact that you got five innings out of Clevenger and he, you know, turned in that performance. Um, what did he did he give he gave up no runs? I think he gave up no runs. I, uh, I thought he gave up. See, Clevenger pitched on Sunday afternoon, yes, right? Yes, he Why did. am I blinking on Sunday afternoon? A one six to three. And I don't, yeah, I don't understand why I'm having issues here either. Yeah, he gave up zero runs, he gave up three hits, he had three walks, but he did have eight strikeouts. Um, Gregory Santos, that's the inning where he threw that slider that went almost all the way to uh, the White Sox dugout. Um, right. And then uh, Reynaldo Lopez had that tough, you know, that tough ninth inning. Um, where, you know, uh, Luis Robert kind of saved, you know, saved him. Otherwise, he would have had a uh, cooked goose if he had not made that catch. That guy, you know, I've seen the comment made where, you know, is Luis Robert going to win himself a gold glove early in the season? And, you know, and of course, somebody immediately chimed in with, uh, well, you know, uh, he's not going to do it any faster than Mark Burley did it on opening day in 2010. True. But, uh, yeah, True. I don't know, man. Some web gems already that are, you know, that one where it, it, he ran like a marathon to make the catch in oh. right center field. Let me go. Or, ahead. Sorry, I'll, left center. I'll go ahead and bring it up again. Yeah, put it up there because I, uh, I think that one might make a that might be top one hundred plays list at the, the end of the season. That thing that was would phenomenal. Be my guess. Deep in the batter's box, too. Giolito kicks to one. High fly ball, right center field. Robert back at the wall, leaps. And makes the catch. And makes the catch. See if he's all right, but that's one. Great route. Nice job on that, getting to that. Perfectly timed jump. This route. Sliding try, Robert. And Benintendi with the the vault over the top. Jr. somehow (laughs) got to that ball. To make an absolutely ridiculous catch. 3 0 fastball. Uh-oh. That ball's well Uh-oh. hit. Robert back in the alley and right center. <laughs> yeah. Does he have room? The answer Imagine if he didn't catch there. that. Of course. Yeah. What a play by Luis Robert Jr. again. Yeah. Yeah, six home runs instead of five. Um, but yeah, I mean. Great stuff. Gotta love that uh oh on the broadcast though. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. Oh, you didn't even know at that time. You had yeah. no clue. What was yeah, about you had no unfold. idea what was coming, but uh what Jake uh or Jock Peterson, that would have been his second home run of the game. And uh yeah. Luis God, Robert Jr. takes takes care of that. Yeah, that was two wonderful. guys two guys hitting dingers that uh you know I've seen White Sox fans pine for in that lineup. Michael Conforto and, and Jock Peterson. 
And of course, you know, just going to give those guys, those people that were pining for them, give them fuel for the fire. Should have signed John Peterson two years ago when we had the chance. Should have signed Michael Conforto when we had the chance. Yes, Ugh. yes. I don't know. Have you seen Oscar Colas play? Because uh, he's got himself a web gem early in the season as well, too. Yeah, he does. That that was a that was a nice little. I mean, granted, you know, it wasn't uh, quite. It was the, not Robert esque. Yeah, it was not quite that good, but uh, it was it wasn't half bad. Um, and you know, like we'll keep with you know the theme of the starting pitching. Lance Lynn didn't have uh, a terrible outing either. You know, he gave up. A, I think what did he give up? A two run home run. And uh, that was all he ended up giving up in 5.2 to the Astros. Um, I mean, granted, you know, one thing that you and Rudels pointed this out earlier in uh, in chat uh, that the Tigers beat the Astros again. So I don't know how good we should necessarily feel about how the White Sox did against the Astros in the four game series, only splitting. Um, but for the fact that they've pretty much had the White Sox number. um Oh, they lost eight out of their last nine in Houston up yeah. until that point. So to see them split uh, in the first series of the season, you know, I don't know if I would call it a win, but I would not call it a loss either. You want to walk away from the defending champions in a position where you do get that split. And I would call that a good series Yeah, facing correct. some of some of the better pitching in the American League. Yeah, Grimtall brings up the jock turning down the money for the Eaton thing. Yeah, no, we trust me, we remember that. Also, yeah, we're Dodgers not. split at home against the the D backs. Um, that is the game that um, that Graveman came in and walked to, gave up a couple of hits and gave up three runs. Um, and also the one where Deekman blew that game. As well, yeah, uh, blew the doors wide open pretty much. Yeah, yeah, he's the reason why the White Sox lost that game. Um, Friday night, yeah, yeah. I mean, but again, you know, Steve Stone said it. He said that the the starting pitching for the White Sox was going to be one of their strong suits, and he's not wrong. the The issue has been that you know you're one guy light in the bullpen and forced to shuffle around a bunch of roles, so you don't have quite the uh, flexibility that you would normally have. Um, we say one guy light, but in reality, it's probably two because, you know, crochet and, and Liam are, they probably have at this point is from what we know, from what we've been told, have a similar timeline, probably of when they're going to be, you know, they might only be a week or two apart the way things are sounding right now. I think we'll see crochet middle of end of May. Uh, it sounds like we, there's a chance we see Liam, late may early june so there's probably only a couple weeks apart between the two of them so you got to think that uh some of these guys that are having the better struggles you know the jose ruiz's the mr cheekman probably going to be finding their way uh to the unemployment line soon and you know i hate to say anything bad about any of the guys on the team you know we beat up on leary pretty bad the last couple of seasons uh you know i'm trying to be uh, amiable here, amicable, amiable, whatever. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah. The thing is, is that I don't dislike these guys as people. It's just, you know, they're on our baseball team. And, uh, right. if they're not going to perform, uh, I'm going to talk about them not performing. Unfortunately, right. I, I wish that they were right. performing. It would make everything a heck of a lot easier, but, uh, unfortunately, yeah, you'd rather have, the, you'd rather have the, you know, the old saying, the, the good problems to have, for a manager, you know, when you got to make 
choices on a bunch of really good guys and not having to make choices on the guys that just aren't cutting it. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm going to get out of this, out of this bullpen, right? Um, yeah, sorry. You, you were yeah. on, we keep going back to it. Totally fine. Starting pitching it's and I, just, yeah. I mean, that's, that's been one of the annoyances. The other being the, uh, the left on base thing. That's, that's like the two things. If those two things, you know, if they start uh, handling those situations better, uh, you know, I, I assume that the the bullpen's going to get a little bit more comfortable uh, with roles and whatever as as we move on here, and things are going to get better. I don't expect it to be as bad as it is. Same thing with the uh, the hitters in uh, you know the left on base you know situations. I, yeah. I see those getting better as well. So starting pitching usually gradually gets a little bit better throughout the first few weeks of the season too. Guys start finding. You know, they're uh, their command a little bit more. They're getting the spin rates up a little bit. Uh, you know, pitching's usually slightly slower to come along than the bats. Uh, you know, in baseball overall as a whole, I'm not necessarily saying for this White Sox team, but uh, you definitely want to see those pitch counts come down a little bit for these White Sox starters. Uh, the reason they're not getting deep into games is because they are getting deep into counts. And you kind of want to see uh, the pitch count come down a little bit. But, you know, all in all, starting pitching hasn't been awful, aside from, uh, you know, yesterday's debacle at the home opener. Yeah. Um, I will uh, bring up the feature. Yes, let's do that. Um, We see you. Yoan Mankata. Oof. Hitting 429 with a 1360 OPS, uh, nine hits and 21 at bats so far this year. Uh, two home runs, four RBIs. Um, obviously, yeah, a few doubles. Like he's he's a big reason for a lot of those base hits I was talking about earlier yep. in the stream. Yeah, I think they at least up until a point yesterday the White Sox were in the lead for extra base hits in Major League Baseball. I don't. Right. I kind of doubt it's there now um and it also you know at that point they had also probably played an extra game that other people had not right, played with the four so, game series and yeah th- there was that help as well but i mean between his extra base hits and then on top of it the defense at third base um just phenomenal start to the season for him and if this is the guy that they're going to get all year, you know, we're looking at uh, one of those possible five war seasons, you know, five, six war seasons if he continues to do what he's doing right now. Yeah, couldn't be mad about that at all. Yeah. And, you know, a bunch of people were mad at him for trying to take uh, third base on an error, um, which obviously was, you know, having him on second base with no outs. Um would have been obviously um, preferable than having him get out at third base, but it was a really close play at third base. And the thing is, the thing that I don't mind him being aggressive um, because I've seen passive Yoan for so long, seeing him trying to take an extra base on something like that, I welcome that because... He's been like 
hobbled for, you know, two I'm years now. I'm glad you bring that up. You know, uh, what almost th- almost three seasons now since 2020. You know, um, you know when he got COVID, it's been kind of like a a downhill spiral for him. You know, where he just hasn't been hasn't looked right since then. And you know, also you've got, you know, his. Now I'm not saying I'm just saying <laughs> his performance during TLR's time here was was pretty ugly and i don't know if it's a hundred percent uh you know health related that that was an issue or whether uh you know some of that stuff comes into play uh as far as you know mental state mental state just having to uh you know, interact with that guy and not enjoying your time with him or whatever. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but I mean, he's, he started the year on fire and we've yes. seen, you know, we've seen what he can do. You know, there, there was uh what was it? Uh, 20, 2019 where like three out of the four months, you know, uh, during their three out of the six months of that year, I think he hit like, 380 or something like that in those three months with you know doubles all over the place and and, you know the thing i don't expect him to go off for like 25 home runs or 30 home runs or anything like that i don't i i personally don't expect that um but i would not be surprised if he hit 20 and that would be if he's got 20 and and you know 25 doubles yeah 30 doubles more than that he'll i yeah yeah he's gonna be a doubles machine he's gotta be hit the yeah, in 2019 you know. he had 34 doubles and 25 home runs. You know, if he if he does that again and plays that defense, like we're talking like yeah, you know, MVP votes, you know, it might just be James Fegan that gives him an MVP vote, MVP vote, but he'll get one. And you know, that's the, awesome. and the thing is is with him hitting in the two hole, I know a lot of people and I was kind of on this bus or I'm sorry, with him, with Robert hitting in the two hole, I, I've been kind of on this bus. I wouldn't mind seeing Yo-Yo's hot stick move up in the order a little bit. Hey, hey there! I I see that face. Let's let's <laughs> with the hot bat. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, you know, I and, and and Timmy getting on base, you know, every game left and right lately. And I mean, seeing Tim take some walks early in the season. Uh, and doing Crazy. what Tim does, poking the ball opposite way, opposite field, all over the place, just getting on base and doing what Tim Anderson does. Uh, you know, I think about the potential of production that could come from having the two of them in the top of the order. Not saying that I don't think Lewis Robert isn't going to figure it out at some point. You know, he's already kind of seemed to unlock a little bit of that power where he settled in and he's hit a couple of dingers two games. Uh, but, uh, you know, Yo-Yo has been that two-hole hitter for a while, and now he's being productive. I would not mind seeing him go back to that two-hole and uh, do what uh, Yo-Yo has been doing. I think uh, I think the runs coming across the board would be, you know, increased slightly. But I digress. I'm not Pedro Grifol. I'm going to let him do his thing. And, uh, you know, we'll see what uh, what happens. Am I missing something here? <laughs> Oh boy! Speaking of yeah. uh, Yoan's hot stick, um, the other yeah, day I was uh, for that comment. By the way, I we were we were that. going to uh, going to see um, 
I think it was the eighth inning of the game on Sunday. Uh, we went to go see Ant-Man. And so I was listening to Len Casper on the way over to the theater. And uh, there was a play where Oscar Colas went over to foul territory to get a foul ball. And uh, he went sliding into, uh, you know, uh, into the foul territory over there, over near where the uh, the the ball boy or ball person. So yeah, he kind of spun off the wall a little bit there. Yeah, the the ball person had left their uh, their seating implement behind when he slid over there, and Len Casper, and I quote, said he almost got a face full of stool. Oh, and I have to say that that indeed a face full of stool does sound unpleasant. It sure does. <laughs> it sure does. Oof. Ridiculous. Um, so reminds me. Have you ever seen uh, the movie Zack and Mary make a porno? I have not. No. There's a scene in that movie that's quite hilarious, and it, it involves somebody getting stool all over their face. And that sounds, is what I pictured when you said that. Sounds riveting. Uh, it's not the best movie in the world, but it has, there's some, there is some uh, comedic relief in there. Ladder enjoyer says when you put yo too high in the order, he tries to take more walks and be an OBP guy instead of staying aggressive. I mean, that is entirely possible. Uh, but it, I, Again, you know, I can't help but go to the, you know, TLR thing where... Yeah, the mindset of the team, the club in general. When he's telling him what he expects out of him and that's not what Pedro Grifal's been telling him he expects out of him. I think that uh, that might also have something to play in it as well, not to mention, you know, yeah, the the lineup spot, sure. Um, I think it's kind of one of those things where you tell him this is what I want from you. I want you to be aggressive. I want you to go out there and hit the baseball. You know, I'm not asking you to go out there and try and walk or hit a single. I'm looking for you to do damage. I want you to go out there and I want you to hit the ball hard. Yeah. And it's, it's tough. It's difficult to take a out of that three hole as well. Uh, after what we saw second half of the season, when he came back healthy last year and the, the amount of power, that he has in his bat, that guy, he's going to put some over the fence. You know, that's that to me, that's the guy I want in the three hole. The guy that's going to hit you a bunch of dingers and uh, drive in those guys that one and two hitter are not getting across the plate. So, you know, and like Ian said earlier, I, I don't expect Yoan to go out and hit 25, 30 home runs. Uh, I, you know, he can be a doubles machine and, you know, he can help Timmy get across the plate in the bottom of the order. You know, when, we get to those points in the game where the bottom of the order is coming around to the top and there might be a guy or two on base. Uh, I like Yoan in that, that position at two, but Aloy, I think is the guy with that, the power potential to uh, really drive in the runs. And, you know, with the, I think he's probably got the best potential on the team to emulate, maybe not perfectly, but closely emulate Jose Abreu type numbers where, you know, you're hitting, 280, 290, and 100 RBIs, and you know 30, 35 home runs a season. I think that's I think that's Aloy's role as a DH on this team right now. Yeah, as as of right now, we haven't really seen a whole lot of Eloy. Uh, you know, you're he's got three walks, which is 
which is nice, but, uh, you know, not what you're looking for, for from him. You know, you're looking for him to do damage on pitches and he's got a couple of doubles, but you know, he's one of the, one of the guys that hasn't hit a home run yet. And uh, I'm not real worried about him. Though. I'm not either, but, uh, you know, we just haven't see, like, he's one of those guys that we just haven't seen do the thing yet. You know? Well, you know, if, if we were talking about him taking the Jose O'Brien spotlight, he, he might not have a home run until July and then hit 15 in, in a month. You know what I mean? Entirely possible. <laughs> so, I mean, Entirely Jose wasn't possible. exactly the fastest starter in his career. You know, it might have been the middle of May and he was hitting, you know, 235 and, and two home runs and a handful of RBIs, you know. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not really stressing out about that right now. No, I mean, again, you know, we're talking about this being, you know, way too early. Right, exactly. You know, reactions to things. Way too early reactions, exactly. This is this is one hundred percent way too early to be worried about any of these guys as far as that stuff's concerned. I'm just simply pointing out that uh, you know, unfortunately we have not seen Eloy like really get into one yet. You know, he hasn't he hasn't gone on a on a right. tear yet, you know, where he's you know, he's got a couple of doubles, you know, and you know, he's made yeah, some, this is some the show that contact. I Exactly. Exactly. And like, I was just going to say, this is the show that I'm not really too worried about putting some of my hot takes out there <laughs> because it is too early. You know, let me let me prognosticate, uh, hopefully more on the on the uh, the positive side here a little bit. Let me prognosticate and say, you know what? Things are going to get better. And, uh, you know, maybe that's not such a hot take, but. If I really gave some of my my true thoughts out there, I honestly believe. You know what? Since I'm bringing it up, let's just go ahead and do that. I think Aloy's got the potential to lead the American League in home if he starts swinging it. I think that he you know, has the potential. I just don't think he's going to do it. I, he might not do it. I'm just saying that the potential's there. Uh, but I will say that I think he can have an, a Jose Abreu type season. I think he can get to that. 100 RBI mark. I think he can hit oh, yeah. close to 300. Oh, yeah. I think he can hit between 30 and 35 home runs or more. You know, uh, I he can have that 850 or higher OPS by the end of the season. You know, it, it, it's all agree. very, very, uh, in my mind. Uh, you know, obviously, Johan's not going to hit 430 <laughs> all season long. Unless, I mean, I, we might as well just crowd him Ted Williams now, if, if that's what we're thinking. T-dubs. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't see that happening. But, I mean, it would be nice to see him hit 350 with yeah. 25 dingers and, you know, 90, 100 RBIs. That would be fantastical. Yeah, that would be wonderful. I'd be, I, you know, hey, I, I'm all for, I'm, I'm on, put me on the bandwagon of people that would like to see Yoan hit 430 for the season. I would, I would right. enjoy that. I, I will I will throw you right on that bandwagon. Are you ready for my for what? You ready for the hottest take of them all from me I, here? Yes, please. I think the White Sox might have the best starting pitching staff in baseball. It's entirely possible. Um, we erase what happened with Michael Kopech yesterday. I I'm with you. I'm I'm pretty. I I would venture to say he was tipping pitches because, like you said, he came out looking really really good in the first inning, and then they teed off on him. Second and third time through the order was really bad. Yeah, that was that was ugly. Um, so, all right. Well, uh, if you follow us on Twitter at Daily White Sox, 
um, which I assume if you're listening to this, you probably do. Um, the Charlotte Knights have started the minor league season for the White Yay. Sox affiliates. Um, and seen some pretty uh, some some pretty good stuff from them. Actually, they're on a three. They're game, scoring some runs. Three game winning streak. Uh, they opened up against the uh, uh, Memphis Memphis Redbirds. I think it's Memphis. I think it's the Memphis Redbirds. Um, and took two out of three from them. Um, I think they lost to uh, Matt Libertor. Um, who he's pretty good. Yeah. If you don't know anything about him, he's been like, uh, one of those hot, you know, he got drafted in the first round. I think he was first overall, I believe. Um, and he indeed was six, seven, 17, 17. Wasn't he the same? What, what draft class was, uh, was Nikki magical. in? was that 16, 18, 18. I think yeah. that was Libertor's. No, that was um that was dude that uh the Detroit oh, no. drafted. Uh uh the guy who Oh uh yeah uh Green Hunter no no um uh, I was gonna say Hunter Green, not Hunter Green. No. It's uh I'm trying to think. Casey Mize. There you go. That's yeah. the one. You're right, yeah. you're right. Uh Matt Libertor, I believe was 2017 um and let's see here uh, oh no he was the 16th overall selection in 18 oh that's okay. what it was um anyway he's good uh he got traded for uh Randy Rosarena uh the Rays originally drafted Libertor traded him to the Cardinals for uh Randy Rosarena Anyway, he's uh, he hasn't quite lived up to his potential yet. He hasn't become that stud guy, but his curveball is really nasty. Uh, paired up with his fastball and his changeups. Yeah, he did decent. see a little bit of time in the majors last year, did he not? Yeah, I think he had. Yeah, I think it was a couple, couple of two, spot three. starts or something. Yeah, I don't think it was anything. I mean, I saw him. I saw him pitch for the Redbirds numerous times. Yeah, he made uh, he made seven starts for them last year. And went two and two with a almost a six ERA, but you know for Triple A, guys got his stuff together. Yeah. And they lost. Him, wasn't but... he? A, he was drafted out of high school too, if I'm not mistaken, yep. wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, that's the guy that they lost to. Uh. But um. A couple of the guys who the White Sox picked up uh, as free agents in the off season, where the, my hot take is that we'll have multiple Sox getting votes for Cyan MVP. I hey, I saw that and I, I like that. I hope so. Um, two of the guys that the White Sox picked up for starting pitching depth for Triple uh, A, um, Nate Fisher and Jesse Schultons, made starts. Um, uh, Nate Fisher, uh, I believe he had eight Ks. In uh, was that? Uh, it was either f- it was maybe four four innings possibly. Um, five five innings. I think it was five innings. Had uh, eight Ks and um, looked really good until he hit about sixty pitches, and then it looked like he just ran out of gas. So that's gonna be one of those things where it's gonna he's gonna if he's going to be starting, he's gonna have to build up a uh, 
He's gonna have yeah, to build up a little him bit. Stretch them out a little. Stretch them out a little bit. Give them a little. Uh, yeah. Yeah. A little build time. Uh, one of the Sox former top prospects who you may remember from 2020 with the White Sox, uh, Jonathan Stever made the start tonight for Charlotte, and uh, he only went uh, 32 pitches, uh, 18 of 32 for strikes, had no strikeouts, walked a guy and gave up a hit, uh, but no runs. Um, looked pretty decent overall. Uh, his, you know, slider was moving and, uh, velocity looked okay. Uh, I did not get a, uh, a reading on what the velocity was. I didn't hear anybody mention it. Um, but not too bad, but, um, yeah, I mean, for your first start triple A, even if he only went 32, that's not, uh, it's not, uh, terrible. Yeah. I think he only went two innings. Uh, I think. If I remember correctly, I think that uh, Stever only pitched two innings last year uh, for the Knights. And so they're trying to uh, ramp him up slowly, get him back from that uh, lat injury, uh, lat surgery, rather. Right. Um, so that's that's one of those things that we'll see how he comes back from that. I know that uh, lats are kind of a weird thing, and... Uh, for pitchers, obviously, especially it's it's fairly important uh, with the, uh, with the yeah. pull down. So we'll we'll see how that ends up going. But uh, you know, today looked pretty promising. Didn't look uh, didn't look too awful. And you know, he was going up against a uh, a fairly decent. Uh, it was the Indians AAA team. So we got to see uh, Josh Naylor's brother. And um, is that Bo? No. Yeah, Bo Naylor's catcher. Oh, Bo Naylor. Yeah. yeah. And you know, it was um you know, he didn't look he didn't look bad overall. Um if you haven't seen our tweets from tonight, but uh know that today was the the actually tonight was the night of Lenin Sosa. Um Man. Keep it up, kid. Dude was on a mission. You know, like and I mean I'm not saying I'm just saying. Um <laughs> I had I had maybe mentioned a couple dozen times that uh the kid can play defense and uh that I thought that he would be fine hitting in major league baseball. Um so it is the f- what the, this is their fourth game today. Uh they played 3 took a day off and this is game 4. Uh Lenin Sosa goes 3 for 5, hits two home runs and uh basically wins the game by himself. And it looked rangy. And his defense looked his phenomenal. Defense. Um, go ahead and bring up a couple of these plays here. Because why not? Because it's fun. This is the fun part of our uh, stream. You know, we get to uh, talk a little bit about the minor league. A lot of other folks are not doing that. I really enjoy when we uh, get into these things. Yeah, I mean, you know, like... You don't get to see you don't get to see this stuff so often all over the other place. One thing I'm gonna have to do though is I'm gonna have to enable the uh the old uh the old video machine here. Go ahead and turn <clears throat> turn spawn. Doing here. There we go. Let me go ahead and bring that over on here. Yeah. 
Hang out with right. us here for a minute. You're gonna see some good stuff. Yeah. So here's uh Linian's uh second at bat. Well, he took a major league hack into that one, didn't he? That was not a cheapie. Yeah, so there's the uh, the second at bat. And uh, go ahead and bring up the next one. Definitely not a cheapie. He hit that, he hit that off the scoreboard behind the 365 mark. Yeah, yes he did. But that one that one just went uh off the the bottom of the scoreboard. Uh this is his uh what is fourth at bat right here. I think I think it's his fourth at bat. Maybe it's his fourth at bat. This might be the uh yeah. Yeah, that one hit above the uh, center point of the scoreboard and was still going. Yeah, you'll take that. Uh, he also Almost had in like the same spot. Yeah, I no, mean, honestly. Yeah, this this <laughs> the second one was farther. Things. It was higher up on the scoreboard and uh, farther towards center field. So. Um, he also had like a bounding ball single up the middle that this the shortstop did end up stopping, but there was no shot he was going to get him at first. He's a little bit too quick for that. Um, but let me go ahead and bring up the defensive highlights because that to me is the thing that people discount from his game. Right. Uh, yeah, agreed 1000%. They which, just don't seem to think he has the range to. Uh do anything yeah that's that's the thing that bothers me the most you know i would differ in my opinion that is the thing that bothers me the most about people's opinions like this is the thing runs rampant across across twitter you know is that uh the 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 scoreboard watchers love to make you know they they've heard somebody else say something so it becomes their uh their favorite go-to thing you know, is that, oh, right. this guy can't do this because I heard somebody say he's not that great at it. But, you know, like you you see this is the kind of stuff that, you know, like nobody posts these kind of highlights because, you know, home runs, you know, like you'll see the the Knights will post the home runs. You know, they'll post a double, they'll post, you know, stuff like that. But they they hardly unless it's like. Sports Center top ten. They're not. They're not tweeting stuff like this out. This is the kind of stuff right. that people need to see, so they understand that, you know, maybe the skill set is just a little bit higher than you think it is. Right. And if you guys are following White Sox Daily on Twitter at Daily White Sox, and you know somebody that isn't that is a White Sox fan, you need to reach out to them because they're not going to get this footage anywhere else. It's true. It's true. Um, where is this thinking? Audio on this thing should be there, but it's not. Oh, mm. uh, you know what? I probably need to. Uh, see, that's this is why. It's not why. No, no. There we go. Should be it. 
I don't know why it's not showing it. That's rude. I don't know. No idea. I'm just going to play it so you can see it, and then that's good. Right. Oof. It's spin throw was uh, is a thing of beauty. I mean, that was a laser he threw there. Yeah, you don't see, you know, if, if a guy can't play defense and is a DH type of guy, okay, fine. But clearly that shows that there's something else there, you know? Well, that- I mean, he ranged to a ball all the way up the middle and then took it on a high hop. In the grass behind second base, spun and made a pinpoint 100-mile-an-hour throw to the first baseman. That's, yeah, you can't can't discount that. Yep. It takes a certain level of talent to be able to do that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, Also, uh, Carlos Perez tonight hit his his second home run of the season as well. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, the Charlotte Knights posted a uh, posted a tweet, and it's got a picture of uh, Billy Hamilton and Jake Marisnik, like high fiving on the uh, on the base path in between second and first base. And I was sitting here thinking to myself, like I was like, you know, if I was going to pick two guys on the Charlotte Knights who have had absolutely nothing to do with the three game win streak, that would be the two guys that I would choose because <laughs> neither one of them has done much of anything, but, uh, no, nah, but you know what? I will echo the sentiment of a lot of white Sox fans here when they saw that Billy was when, when Billy did not make the open roster and they saw that he was going to stick around in triple a, they were, uh, excited to see that. And, uh, I will, I will go ahead and echo that, that feeling because, uh, you know, as we said, knock on wood, injuries do happen throughout a season. And if they're, if you're looking for a guy who can be a spark, if nothing else, if he can be, you know, the clubhouse guy that kind of helps everybody just gel and, and lighten the mood and keep things uh, fun and interesting, that's the guy. Yeah, no, I, I he's a great guy. Like his teammates love him and he's a super nice guy. You know I mean? You like, you even see him on Twitter every once in a while talking to just white Sox fans. It's great. Right. He's a great dude. All around good dude. Yeah. You just can't hit. (laughs) That's the unfortunate. I mean, that's, that's been his, uh, that's been his MO since day one. You know, he was a speedy guy who could range all over the outfield, steal a bunch of bases, come in, you know, he's had some clutch pinch hits in his career, but never really been a high P kind of dude. Yeah, no, that's that's for sure. But I mean he did he did uh he made a nice catch out in center field, you know, ranging back on a ball tonight. You know, he's like his defense is great and you know, he almost uh reached on a bunt single earlier, but uh ended up beating him by like, you know, six eight inches, you know, like his foot was just above the bag when, when the guy caught it. But, um, you know, the, the guy is, you know, great for team stuff. And he is the kind, he's exactly the kind of guy that they're going to want around in the playoffs. If they want to make sure that somebody steals a base, he is that. Yeah, I mean, how can you, how, how can you not, right. You know, when they make the playoffs and expand the rosters later on in the season, I, I do expect you'll probably see Billy as long as he's healthy. Uh, but he's just the kind of dude that 
you can tell he enjoys his work. He yep. enjoys the job that he does, even if he, you know, he has his specific role that he does well in. And even if he's not doing well in anything other than what his specific role is, he takes pride in doing that one thing or those two things that he does well. And, and I mean, you can't, how can you fault the guy for that? He knows who he is. He enjoys the hell out of what he does. I mean, that's the kind of dude that that's the kind of people you want to be around. Yeah. I just wish he'd try, he'd stop trying to switch hit because when he wasn't switch hitting, he was hitting better. And now that he switches, yeah. not as good. But if you do put him, uh, you know, if if he learns how to drag bunt effectively, which he has not been doing so well uh, from what I've seen of him so far this year, um, he's been hitting a lot of extremely high uh, launch angle uh, on his swing, and his his bunts have not been the smoothest. But if he can continue to work on his drag bunting, you know, a la Brett Butler. Um, yeah, he'd be out of that, that halfway out of the left-handed batter's box yeah. by the time he's uh, dropping the bat down on the ball. Yeah. Yeah. That's been, that's been the problem that I've seen is that when he's been bunting, he's bunting flat footed. He's not uh, like, he's not drag bunting. He's trying to bunt and it's not working out so well. If he can uh, figure out this uh, this drag bunting thing a little bit better, he will certainly be a very very useful guy to have around come playoff time, like Grimtall says. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with him. Um, you know, I. So when does he need to be rostered to be playoff eligible? I think uh, he's. Yeah, I forget exactly what the date is. It's like September. 25th or he's something like, like that, I think. Like 15 days or something, right? Or like something 15 like days in the roster before Some, playoffs start? Something like that. Uh, unless it's, it, unless it's, nothing it's an crazy. injury replacement. It's an injury replacement, then it doesn't, then it's not. Right. Yeah. Know. I mean, it still would have to be a, a 40 man guy. So that would, that would have to be, you know. Yeah. That you'd have to resolve that before you get to that point. But right. right. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, there's been some, you know, pleasant stuff going on. Uh, Adam Hazley down in Charlotte. Also, um, there's there was some talk of earlier this, you know, earlier this year before uh, spring training started, they had figured out there was a maybe an issue with his his uh, hand height, and they raised his hand height on his swing. And um, by doing that, you've been seeing the rewards that have been reaped from changing his swing up a little bit and uh, getting him a little bit quicker to the ball and getting a better uh, swing plane on his, on his bat. And uh, you know, he's hitting home runs. He's had two home runs already uh, down in Charlotte. Um, um, won a game winner, I think if I remember correctly. Um, and uh, you know, he plays a decent outfield. I think it would be, quite comical if they fixed his batting issues after just signing Andrew Benintendi to a $75 million contract and then just got a guy that can do the same thing for $560,000 every year, but we'll see what happens. Um, You know, he was a first round draft pick and he does have pedigree. So there's entirely the the possibility that that type of talent is inside of him, you know, it's, yeah, it's it just takes that one little tweak to unlock it. And all of a sudden 
you have a, a star on your hands. It's entirely possible. I mean, he is old, you know, for a for a quote unquote. Yeah, was he twenty eight? Twenty seven, I think. Twenty seven. I think. Um, but you know, he's been hitting the crap out of the ball, which is really nice to see. And he plays a decent defense. And um, you know, um, I guess we'll we'll see what uh, how how things go. Um, one thing I did, yeah, he's, uh, he is a week away from his 27th birthday. Okay. All right. Yeah. April I see 12th. I'm adding years on to him. Yep. April Which I mean, 12th. you know, 27 is old enough, but yeah. Right. Um, yeah. speaking you of, know, you, you never know though, you know, Scotty pods expected him to do what he did, uh, in Oh five and the white Sox uh, seemed to unlock something in him, even though he was, uh, you know, career. You know, I would call him like a career quad A guy up to that point because he did so much bouncing, you know, up and down for a bunch of teams where he was, you know, in the majors, out of the majors. Spent most of his time in the, in the minors and 29 years old comes up and, and you know, helps the White Sox pursue a, uh, you know, wire to wire first place finish and then go on to go 11 and one in the postseason. Not saying that that's what's going to happen with Hazley. But it sure would be a nice turn of events to see that guy unlock his potential. Yeah, no, it certainly would be. Um, I am bringing up some things here. I w- something I wanted to talk about because uh, speaking of 28-year-old outfielders, um, Craig Didalo, 28-year-old outfielder, was just released uh, a couple days ago. Um Personally, I have a problem with releasing Craig Didalo and keeping Jake Marisnik. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking you were going to say that. Actually. I yeah, I just I don't get it. You know, Didalo's um, got big power, Didolo, or at least the potential. To have and he's power. left-handed, and mm-hmm. Marisnik can't hit his way out of a paper bag. Right, uh, and and. He hasn't hit over 200 in or like any, you know, like within like 15 points or something like that in like five years. Yeah, he's been he's been below the Mendoza. He's he is a better fielder than Craig Didalo, but I will make myself 100% clear when I say I had in no way, shape, or form would ever want Jake Marisnik anywhere near the White Sox. Won't and argue with that. I feel like in Charlotte, I understand like uh, you know, that they're trying to have like uh major league uh guys that can just hop up and play in the majors. And the two like veteran guys that they kept in triple A are Billy Hamilton and Jake Marisnik. Yeah, neither one of them can hit a lick. Neither one of them like if y- y- you'd be lucky to get a single out of either one of those guys if they played for like three days in a row. Yeah, and just imagine that now. We're talking about the first time in ages that the White Sox have had a fully complementary starting outfield. Mm. Yep. And all three of the guys that start out there have the potential to hit the ball for good average and to hit the ball for a decent amount of power. I won't say, you know, we know that Benintendi can. We haven't seen him do as much as we would like to see him do in his career as far as the potential, but we know that we know the power potential is there. 
Uh, we would hope that maybe that, you know, kind of unlocks a little bit more for him this season. But we know Oscar Colas can hit the ball really hard. We know Luis Robert can hit the ball really hard. And then you've got, you know, Romy Gonzalez is kind of like your your fourth outfielder at the moment who he can hit the ball really hard. But if one of these guys goes down and you've got a Billy Hamilton or Jake Marisnik, the drop-off in production is going to be more than palpable. It's, I mean, you're going to be able to cut the air with a knife. When- yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Just like, uh, the, the, you know, I don't, if, if I'm talking about Craig Didolo, I'm not worried about his, his defense. It, essentially he is a better defensive outfielder than Gavin sheets with a little bit more swing and miss than Gavin sheets. Um, and, uh, yeah. Not thrilled about it, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Um, other guys that uh, got released, uh, Caleb Roper, starter that pitched for uh, Birmingham uh, last year, and uh, he got promoted late, late in the season last year to the Knights. Um, he got released. Uh, Ty Madrigal, Nick's brother, got released. Uh, our favorite uh, cricket player. Uh, as White Sox fans, uh, Karan Patel, first Indian player to ever be drafted in the Major League Draft, also got released. Um, and I'll bring this up now. Our guy, who we pulled our auto on. Yeah, look at that. From the thing, Benjamin Bailey, uh, the large outfielder uh, that was... The talk of the town, the bell of the ball for quite a while, uh, you know, uh, in DSL talk about uh, White Sox DSL prospects that you should have your eye on. Um, He just got released, so he's gone. Um, Mark Orr's guy, Trey Jeans, left-handed reliever, uh, pitched for the uh, Dash last year, uh, got released. Um, Yeah. So, uh, Bo Bo Plaguey, who is the uh, the pitcher who had the unassisted triple play last year for the Cannonballers, uh, he also got released. Um, yeah, I was I was a little kind of shocked by that one because he's I another was. one that had some potential. Yeah, uh, you know he's had his difficulties at times, but he showed... had a couple innings that were bad. But I mean, for the most part, he was pretty decent. Um, yeah, I was a little shocked at the, at him being let go. Yeah, um, late uh, off-season signing, Mike Morin, uh, relief pitcher. Uh, he got let go. Brian Shaw, the uh, old uh, Indians guy, or, you know, Indians slash Guardians guy, also got released. Um, longtime uh, utility guy, JJ Muno, he's gone. Um, and this one, this one, I've actually found kind of strange, but. Seeing that I had not seen him a whole lot uh, playing for the Ballers, um, but uh, Jason Gonzalez, the guy, he's a third baseman that the White Sox drafted out of Vanderbilt a few years ago. Um, he was pretty good at Vanderbilt, and uh, he got dropped as well, which I was actually pretty surprised. Um, but, you know, the fact that I hadn't seen him a whole lot... Uh, didn't really shock me, I guess, because I was like, well, I've only really seen him play like 10 games in the last two years, so it didn't really yeah. surprise me that much. You got to wonder if maybe there were some underlying issues with a couple of these guys, maybe some 
nagging injuries that the Sox didn't want to put more time into maybe just not putting it together. I don't know. Yeah. But there I, were a couple of guys that he just go, huh? Why? Yeah. I mean, I, I a hundred percent sure that's what happened with Benjamin Bailey is that he just never got to a point where the swing and miss was gone enough that it was actually worth trying to keep him around. He did yeah, make some, big dude. he's huge. But yeah, he's you know, a big dude. like the the power potential was just never realized because he just swung and missed too much. I mean, granted, his average did go up last year from his uh, his first season where he was in Kannapolis and then got sent back to the uh, complex league. Yeah, um, when you got like a forty percent K rate, though, that's not yeah, yeah. I mean, you're like bordering on Elijah Tatis territory uh-huh. there. So, um, but uh, yeah, so next week the. Uh, Dash Ballers and Barons all start up. And um, I'm just going to throw out there that there are a couple of interviews coming in the uh, next couple of days that I'm going to be doing um, that are going to show up on uh, on here and show up on our YouTube channel, uh, which go on YouTube and search uh, White Sox Daily on YouTube and then Facebook. And uh, there will be a couple of... Uh, you know, I'm not sure 100% whether I'm going to stream it or not. I may. I don't know. haven't decided yet, but it would be on Friday afternoon. So most people are going to be uh, not able the to really. J-O-B. Yeah, yeah. Most people are going to be working. Um, but, um, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, going to be getting some uh, insight on a couple of the uh, affiliates. So that'll be good stuff. Um, we'll go ahead and tweet about it when I when I put it out. Um Fantastic. I'll be on the lookout for it. Yeah, it should be good. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, a couple of guys that I've been meaning to talk to forever and just for whatever reason, it just time kept on passing. So I dropped him a line earlier. Time and, keeps on slipping, slipping. Yeah, so slipping. it'll be cool. Have a have some nice conversations, find out some things about some of these guys and uh, find out who they're looking forward to uh seeing out there and who they're hearing good things about and who they're excited on seeing. It should be pretty awesome. Um, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, whitesoxdaily.substack.com for uh, printed product and this podcast. Uh, also, anywhere else where you get your podcasts, you can find this stuff. Um, you got anything else, Danny? No, I think we covered it pretty well. Uh, you know, just... Uh... Just to kind of rehash, you know, saw some good things this week, saw some bad things this week. Those bad things look like there's the uh, possibility that there's some easy cleanup. Uh, some other things going to need a little bit more work. But uh, all in all, uh, even though the Sox are at two and three at this particular moment at the time of taping, uh, I am still cautiously optimistic about what I'm seeing on the field. So uh, I think there's going to be some big things to come. I think the White Sox are, they're already more entertaining to watch than they have been the last year and a half. Yeah. So uh, let's just keep rolling, man. Let's, uh, let's see what's going on. We'll see you next week. We'll have more to talk about. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been fun. Um, I love the fact that I actually get to watch minor league baseball again. And uh, absolutely good week. Baseball's back. I'm stoked. Yes. So uh, thanks for coming and hanging out. Uh, Thanks for coming and hanging in the chat, guys. And uh, thanks for hanging out and watching the stream. Um, 
twitch.tv slash White Sox Daily every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe some stuff will change around here with the uh, with the broadcast schedule. Might go back to Mondays, possibly, if uh, things work out all right. But uh, I don't know. We'll see. Might have to hop oh, around. Oh, I did. I don't know if you noticed, uh, by, by the way, as you're going through all our website and Twitter information, mm-hmm. I don't... I uh, I changed my Twitter screen name. Did see that? Just in honor of you and all the hard work that you do, because hey, thanks, you man. call me the Danny Miller at the beginning of every one of these shows that we've been doing, which we've now been doing uh, well, for, well over two years at this point. Well, this stream so you has and I been together. going for twenty months, so it's almost two years uh, on the stream, and we've been doing the podcast we've been for podcasting. Like- or like 20 well you and i that you started before me with yeah. uh with some other co-hosts you and i together are probably getting close to the two and a half year mark here yeah yeah i up. think that the uh the white Sox daily be two and a half for like, like four years total so but yeah i think it's been like two and a half almost three for you and me yeah. so it's been fun so uh yeah so i did that just for you because you do that you call me that every week so i thought ah what the hell well, you know i appreciate the uh the the the, the poignant or the pointed the before my name so i went ahead and did that on the on twitter there yes sir um you make me feel important man <laughs> <laughs> well that's what i'm here for is to make you feel important uh um, you you know everybody knows that you're the only real important one here i'm just filler Dude, you do all the uh, all the Whatever. good stuff for us. Um, well, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So next week uh, we'll have some more stuff to talk about. Hopefully, uh, we'll have some wins to talk about as the Sox continue on with the Giants and then move on to uh, Pittsburgh. So let's hope <sighs> that there is some more pleasant news to uh, talk about next week as far as their. Uh, God, I was hoping the White Sox would have won yesterday. Yeah, that, yeah. It was White Sox were going to have three opening day between the home opener at Houston and the home opener at home opener at Pittsburgh. It would have been nice to be able to say they won three different home openers this year, but alas. Grimtall says if the White Sox were a credit score, they'd be 500. Yeah. That's true. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, next week. We will see you guys then. Uh, Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, White Sox Daily. My name is Ian Eskridge. For my co-host, the Danny Miller. You guys have a great week, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks.